put off the characteristics of or the character of the old man, which is your worldly wardrobe. That part of you that doesn't necessarily concern itself with whether this pleases God or not. It's simply the, the prerequisite or the prerequisite is that it pleases me. Our main focus and concern should be pleasing God. In turn, he will give us the desires of our heart if it's in his will. Pastor Martin has a word from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17 in the All for the Glory of God series. Today's message is a life lived in purpose. We've established over the first few weeks the, the fact that there is purpose in each one of us as members of the body of Christ and ultimately that every part of God's creation, because all things were made by Christ and through him, but also for him. And that ultimately every person, every part of God's creation find its true sense of purpose in Christ Jesus. And therefore, since, that you, since we've now come into the knowledge of Christ and embraced him and accepted him as our Lord and as our Savior, then we now are charged with the responsibility of understanding that we have purpose in him, that there's a purpose that God wants to fulfill that only you can fulfill because he describes his church the makeup or the composition of his body as the body of Christ. And then when we take, for an example, the human body, we understand that every part of the human body has a distinct and unique purpose that it fulfills. But here's the key that Paul, when he instructs on the body of Christ, he says, but the, as your human body, you don't look at one body, one part of your body, and you say one part is more valuable than another. Yes, you may use one more than another or rely on one more than another, but when that particular part of the body is functioning in its purpose, it is the most important part of the body because it's fulfilling its divinely ordered purpose. And therefore, if you and I understand that we have divinely ordered purpose, then when we step into that purpose, no matter how great or how small or how often we're serving in that capacity, that when we are serving in that capacity, we are fulfilling God's divine purpose. The Apostle Paul then in these passages brings to bear another sense of purpose that we have as believers. The primary purpose of representing Christ in the earth. See, Jesus said, I'm going back to my father from which I came. But he says, what I'm going to leave you to do is greater works than I did. I'm leaving the responsibility because the world will not see me again until I return to receive those who belong to me and to judge the world. But in the interim, I'm going to exhibit myself through you. So we have this purpose as Christians to represent Christ. In these passages uh, that, that I've read so far, the Apostle Paul gives the Christian a strategy for day-to-day -day living. 
He strategically places some things here that help us to understand. When you say how, if I'm going to represent Christ, how should I do that? He has a strategy that he outlines here in this third chapter. Because after giving some commands to the believer of what to take off or what to stop doing, he then gives some positive commands of what to now replace those with. Because we, when we come to Christ, we come with this human nature that is corrupted, which is why Jesus said, don't marvel that I'm saying that you must be born again because he needed to get some new DNA in you. See, your first father, your first father, your earthly father passed on this sin nature. But through being born again and regenerated, then you get a new godly nature. You came into the world and you received an earthly nature. When you get born again, you receive a heavenly nature. So he gives us some understanding of what it means to operate in the function in this sense. Now, a couple of verbs that he uses in, in, this, in the passage that we've already read, that he uses bearing with one another, and he says forgiving. And the verb tense he uses suggests that this is a continual doing, not a one-time deal. That this, there's a bearing with or forgiving, I-N-G. Because ultimately, as we journey in life, we'll find that it is a progression of moving from this disposition of my and me to the place in which I say, it's he in me. So as a Christian community, it's important for us to see how we should conduct and, and, and operate from day to day. Now, the final significant article that he references in this text is to put on love. And he says, love brings all this together. The songwriter wrote, what, love, what does love have to do with it? Well, when it's just lust, it don't have anything to do with it. But when you truly have set your heart on love, love has everything to do with it. Because we shared last week that you can be generous without being selfless. See, a person that's generous can be deemed or considered selfless, but ultimately it's only selfish, the, the, the act is only selfless when it truly costs you something that you would otherwise want to hold on to. So today, as we journey through our message today, I do have some prompts that you guys see this? And you're curious, aren't you? <laughs> Pastor Martin gonna have us do his dry cleaning. It'll be relevant in just a few moments, amen? But don't focus on that, focus on me right now. They're just shirts. They're not magical. They're not going to fly off. They're just going to hang there. So let's look at this. So we have this primary responsibility as Christians to represent Christ in the earth. So that gives every Christian a primary overarching purpose that we are exhibiting Christ, that, that God is so multifaceted because he says when he created man, he says, we're making man in our 
image and in our likeness. So what God was wanting to do is when he looked down, just as when you stand in front of a mirror and you look in that mirror and you see your image, God is so complex that it takes over 7 billion people on planet Earth to even try to exhibit his image. Ultimately, what Jesus said that we should pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was, pray he was saying we should have a desire to see that all of mankind comes into the knowledge of Christ and walks in fellowship with God through Christ that we can ultimately truly exhibit the image of God. So we have this purpose, a divinely ordered purpose that we are to represent Christ in the earth. Today, the strategy, I said that Paul has given us a strategy for Christian living, for daily Christian living. And this strategy is a four-part strategy. The first part of that is there has to be a perspective change. The second part is that there has to be a characteristic change. The fourth part of the strategy is there has to be a yielding to the Holy Spirit. And then the final part of this four-part strategy is that we must also begin to represent or live with this sense that I'm representing Jesus. Four-part strategy. So let's get started. Part number one. The first part of the strategy is I first must change my perspective. Now, in order to get this part of it, this third chapter really is an instruction manual on Christian living. In order to get the first part of the strategy, we have to then go back up to verse number one because we understand that Paul begins there helping us understand a need to change our perspective. If you look at verse number one, we see in verse number one, he says, you got to realign your motives. See, in order to represent Christ, what motivates you has to change. Because in verse number one, he says, seek those things which are above. That word seek suggests that, hey, what are you pursuing? Or even how do you pursue it? Does that mean that we shouldn't have ambitions? No, but how I, I pursue my ambitions are changed by my motive. Here's the thing. You may have before on your job, showed up on time and done all the extra work because you were trying to get a promotion. And certainly that can still come because promotion comes from God. But when I become a believer, when I come into relationship with Christ, I want to do all to the glory of God. I want them to know that I'm on time and doing what I'm supposed to do. And even when the boss is not looking, I'm still doing what I'm supposed to do because of who I am. And praise God for my promotion. Because here's what he says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And he said, the stuff you are trying to get, I'm going to add to you. Not labor for it, not try to get. He says, I'll just add it because you seek me first. So the first thing is I have to realign my motives, verse 1. Verse 2 says I got to realign my thinking. Because remember, we got to change perspective. So 
In verse 2, he says, set your mind on things above. Set your, you, you, your mind is too low. We, all, we always want to know the dirt, don't we? It's juicy. Somebody come to you and say, I'm not, I'm not a gossiper. Then anybody tell you that when they preface that, just stop them. Hey, you know, if you're not, then stop. Because were you not, you wouldn't need to say that. I don't mean to burn bread on nobody, but... Oh, it's already burned. It's in the oven. The question is, are you going to turn it off? Because oftentimes, he says, seek the things that are above. Because when we think about how we might please God, then it starts to affect how we respond to others. Because he says there's just two commandments that are above all the rest. And he says all of them can be fulfilled in these two. First, love God with all your heart. And watch this now. Love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what you would want to understand. If you're going to tell it as a talebearer, ask yourself, if you were the subject of this tale, would you tell it? Because, you know, we ain't going to tell our business. And, and we get mad if somebody tell it. Don't tell my business. Keep, what is it? There's another one. Keep your mouth off. Y'all going to finish. You know you done said it at least twice. Keep your mouth off me. Because here's the reality we face when we set our mind on things above. Then it, it comes, it works its way into all that we do and the how that we do it. The next one we see the perspective has to change that, that, that there's going to have to be some dying to the old way, the, the stuff that you came to Jesus with, you just, you just, the, the plain and simple, you just have to die to some of it. You ain't gonna be able to hold on to it, it ain't gonna stay. You can't keep it in the cage. You know that, that black book, book you had, brother, before you got married? You, you, you can't just mark off some of the names, you gotta you got burn the book. <laughs> you know, you're like, I ain't gonna turn on these pages. Dovetail some of them like, oh, but, She's just my friend. Yeah. So we have to understand that, that this perspective change includes us having to die because in verse 3 it says, you died to your life. You died and your life is now hidden in Christ. That when you, he's, when, and what Paul means by that hidden in Christ means that when people see you, they shouldn't see so much of what you used to be that they can't see the Christ that you're striving to be like. I'm going to say it again. That now that you've come into Christ, yeah, you, there's some of that stuff still there, but when they see you, they shouldn't see so much of what you used to be that they cannot see the new you that God is trying to put on display. Because dead stuff, you're buried. It's interesting because it used to be black books, but yeah, you, you got Facebook and Instagram. Let me tell you this quick story. My, my, my uncle who's gone on uh, to be with the Lord, he uh, died in, in December. And, and uh, at 77 years old, 75 years old, Sister Linda, he got an inbox <laughs> from somebody from his teenage years. His name was George, like mine. He said, hey, George, how you doing? It's 70. 70. The black book ain't going away. Hey, who? 
You let my aunt see it. She's like, um, he doing fine. Been married 50 years. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was funny to me, too. I said, boy. So that some things just have to die. But then there's also another thing that he says, and I want to use the NIV to describe this one because in the next verse, verse 5, he says, put to death, you got to put, put to death these old desires. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He says, some things, you can't just put them off. You just got to kill them. You know how you used to, you, you couldn't sleep when you was a hustler, you couldn't sleep until you got everything you could get. You got to kill that off because that, that's going to keep coming back. Well, Pastor, how do I kill that? Set your mind on things above. See, the death is a slow death. It, 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 that that sanctification, sanctification process, God is through the Holy Spirit's work in you, killing it off. But you can't keep looking back at it fondly. Okay, here's how it works. You can't always look back and say, boy, now when I used to be, <laughs> y'all didn't know me back in the day. <laughs> I mean, if you would have known me still uh, 15, you can't be that guy. <laughs> because it ain't dead yet. You got it alive. You, you got it on life support. It may be in a coma back there, but it ain't gone. It ain't, it ain't, it, it, it seemed lifeless. It's still alive. You still got the life support on because every time you say you, you don't, you don't. Because Paul says the way we should look back at that, we should look back at it in shame. See, hmm. But for the grace of God. Okay, let's move on. So the second part of this strategy is that you have to change your characteristics. What are you known by? How do, how, how do people know me? What do they know? Because he uses a couple terms that he says, put off, and he talks about what, what to put off, and he says what to put on. So what he really is talking about is you have to change your wardrobe. He speaks of a wardrobe change. Because he says, put on. Because you know when you put on, you, you know, you ready to go out? You ready, you're going out to have a good time? You put on something that, that exhibits having a good time, right? So this idea of putting on and putting off is speaking of wardrobe change. But he also in verse number 12 in this third chapter, he says, and when you look at the NIV, they use the term clothe. It says, clothe yourselves. So now we understand he's talking about a wardrobe change. Because when he says put off, he says put off the characteristics of or the character of the old man, which is your worldly wardrobe. That part of you that doesn't necessarily concern itself with whether this pleases God or not. It's simply the, the prerequisite or the prerequisite is that it pleases me. Look at Colossians at verse 8 and 9. Here's what he says. But, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, or rage, malice, or malicious behaviors, blasphemy. We say, well, Lord, Pastor, I don't say that against God. But in that word is also the word slander. 
Slanderizing. We sing about somebody slanderize our name. Scandalize my name. Slander. Here's one. Here's one. Filthy language out of your mouth. Everybody say, mm-hmm. <laughs> because he says, these are things that were part of your worldly wardrobe. And you put them on in moments where you wanted to display certain things. Then he goes on to verse 9 and says, do not lie, put away lying. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. After he has gone, he, he, he's, he's basically saying that is a part of your past identity. People knew that you would cuss like a sailor. Now that you've come to Jesus, they should know the difference. And let me just forewarn you, some of these things are becoming more uh, habitual because of the music we listen to. Do you realize you cannot listen to a, a, a song that they curse 45 times and that not be settled in your spirit? had a young lady before, this is for my wife, before, before my jewel came along, I was out on a date. We watching a movie. She said, oh, shh. Something else happened. She said, God. <laughs> like, I, we watching the same movie. I mean, it's exciting, but. <laughs> so I'm done, you know, Sister Kim, I'm done. I'm like, hey, you know what? I know the promise was dinner and a movie. The, the, the movie's enough. <laughs> we get to the dinner. Brother George, we get to the dinner. We're sitting there. And she said, well, how do you feel the evening's going? I said, well, not too well. <laughs> not too well. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, you were doing a lot of cursing in that movie. She said, I was? <laughs> and here's what I had to settle, Brother Terry. I said, if you can cuss like that without knowing, <laughs> when you put your mind to it, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> So I had to understand that was our first and last date. <laughs> well, what, we, I, I tried one more time. I thought, I don't, want, I don't be judgmental. Let me try one more again. And then we went to a restaurant and we're at, at IHOP. And I see she's going for the, for the free meal. I'm paying. <laughs> she's going for the free meal. There was a hair, not in the food, on the edge of the plate, just hanging on there. Could have been as they're bringing the plate out, somebody to fluff their hair. It's not in the food. It's on the side. So she goes, ooh. So the waitress comes over. She says, oh, I'm so sorry. Can I see the manager? I said, we don't need the manager for this. She's she going she to try to work it out. I mean, she just, no, I want to see the manager. I said, please. Because they need to give us this free. I said, please don't. She goes in and she gets it going. And it was a $16 plate. Then when they, she, 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 she sat back proudly when they said, well, we'll just give you the meal for free. I said, ah. I'm, just pay, I'm still paying for my part. So that wasn't the second. It was, that was the first. We did the second, and that was it. But I was done at that point. I was like, All right. I ain't gonna, you ain't got to tell me twice, Jesus. I mean, you got to tell me a third time. You didn't told me twice. You got to do it a third time. So listen to this commentary. I want you to hear this. The old refers to everything that is a part of our old nature. 
natural pride, love of sin, reliance on works, and our former opinions, habits, and passions. Most significantly, what we loved has passed away, especially the supreme love of self with its self-righteousness, its self-promotion, and its self-justification. The new creature looks outwardly toward Christ instead of inwardly toward self. This idea of this new man that I'm not looking and relying on me, I'm looking outward towards Christ and what he makes me. Let me run, let me run along real quick because uh, I want to get to this. I know y'all curious. Let me get to it. He said, then he says, put on or the, clothe yourself with the characteristics of the new man. In verse number 10, he says, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Said, hey, we are now renewed in our understanding of who we are based upon who Christ is and what he's done in us and what he desires to do through us. This represents our Christian wardrobe because in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 through 14, I'm going to read it in the NIV. Here's what it says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion or tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then he says, but above all of these things, in verse 14, above all or over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So we talked about this sense of two wardrobes. This represents... My wardrobe before I came to Christ. So based upon my disposition at that time, there are moments that I would put on wrath. Become so rageful and so upset that I'm out of control. That, uh, uh, and understand getting upset or getting, getting angry is a part of, it's an it's emotion, it's a part of who you are as a human being. But the question is what I do after I get upset. Then there are times where I may say things that dishonor God, but I may also say things that are dishonoring about others, slanderous. So ultimately, this is my wardrobe before I come to Jesus. And some of us, we can say that, hey, I was one of the best of one of these Oh, I could put a lie together in a heartbeat. But he says, take off these things because this is a part of your previous wardrobe. This is the old man operating. Now, granted, unless you begin, unless you begin to take these things, begin taking these things out of your closet, they will continue to hang there even though you have been charged by God to now move to a new wardrobe, a wardrobe in which you, 
You didn't have any patience for nobody. Can't stand nobody to, 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 to fail. Or can't stand nobody to not get it right. So then you realize I got to start bearing with people. Be willing because everybody's not where I am in their journey. I don't want nobody around me like that. Buried with others. Then, then he says, okay, uh, but at some point, we can be very caring in certain areas, but in others, we don't have very much compassion because I'm mostly concerned about how it made me feel, but not how it makes them feel. Or there are times where, you know, we're not so kind. But as we've come into this sense of that's my old wardrobe of not being like this, I'm striving in this area that I may grow in my relationship with God enough that these things become a part of my daily wardrobe. Here's another one, and then I think you'll have my point. Because coming to Jesus, we all got it figured out, and hey, man, now you don't know all the degrees I got and all the stuff I've done. But when we come to Jesus, we realize that one of the things we have to put on is humility. Being able to condescend to anyone so that you are able to win everyone. So he says that all of these are good, but all of this is brought, brought together, abound together by love. My love for God and my love for my neighbors. Now, there's one last observation I need to, 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 to make because when you come to Jesus, what should happen, and I don't know if you notice this or not, but what should happen is that these should not fit as well as these. You might be able to squeeze into that, back into that stuff a little bit, but it shouldn't fit you comfortably. See, if you look at me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a large man here, so when you look at these two shirts, one is evident that it won't fit me. Can I get it on? I can squeeze it on and you would see everything. You would see my chest, my navel, and everything else. <laughs> but the other, if I put it on, it should fit me just fine. Because in the end, this sense of what I used to be is truly designed to be exhibited as I follow after Christ. So what I used to be versus what I'm striving to be. And granted, you're not going to wear this every day. There's some times you're going to hit Mr. Mark. But the key here is that what's hanging in the closet that you're planning on wearing. When it's hanging in the closet, you have access to it. If it's not in the closet, guess what? You can't put it on. So the key is your Christian wardrobe versus your 
worldly wardrobe. God is calling us to put this one on and take that one off. Let me close. The third part of the strategy is a yielding to the Holy Spirit because Paul then moves into uh, a phrase. He says, let, let this, let this be, let this be. And that word let speaks of yielding. When you let someone, let someone go before you, you yield and allow them to go before you. Yielding, he speaks of yielding. Let, first of all, he says, verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Be peaceful. Shouldn't always be raging and, 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 and peacing out your mind. But we're good about giving somebody a piece of our mind. And you got to be careful because psychologists and sociologists tell us that, that most of us are only working with about 10% of the brain's capacity to start with. And here you are out there trying to piece it away. You better be careful. You're going to be walking around here like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I done pieced out so much mind, I'm down to 4%. So we, he says, let God's peace rule in your heart. The next one he says, let, he says, let the word of Christ, verse 16, dwell in you richly. He said, let the word of God dwell in such a way. You, because here's what you have to understand. The Holy Spirit can only bring back to your remembrance what you put in. You can't, you can't just say, God, give me, what's that scripture? <sighs> he can't bring it back if it's not in there. But as you allow the word of God to dwell in you richly, when the moment comes where you're needing to put on one of these, the Holy Spirit has something to work with. I was, I was you know, I was, I was at the gas station. And so, you know, uh, I was, I, the way the pumps were set up, I pulled up to the first one. And it's a courtesy to pull it to the next one because this is available pump. I pull up here. So the guy pulled up by me, he land on his horn. He's just waving for me to move to the next one. And I'm thinking to myself, why don't you pull around? <laughs> so when he says that, he said, <sighs> I said, man. My wife said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> In that moment, in the, the, through, through the way of my wife, the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh. As you know what, uh-huh. So here's what happens. I go ahead and move. And as I'm going around to the pump, I had forgot I got the, on my license plate that I'm a Christian. <laughs> he wouldn't have saw it. I was like, hey, man. But by me doing that, when he got out of his car, I was able to speak to him. Hey, how you doing, brother? You okay? Have a good day? He said, thank you, Lord. He said, what church that guy goes to? So let the word of God dwell richly because even as she says, uh-uh, the Holy Spirit says, you know, what does the Bible say? Let no evil communication proceed from your mouth. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm a, I wasn't going to cuss him out, but I could have said something <laughs> evil to him in that moment. So the word of God comes back to me. And then how do we allow it to, how, how do we allow it to dwell in us richly? Through teaching, he says, through psalms and through teaching, through admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So the way that we're able to allow the word of God to dwell in us richly is through, the, through word and teaching and worship. 
as you gather and as you are here and the worship and the songs are going forth, and as you hear lyrics in a song that relate to a passage of scripture, it reminds us. Hear this commentary, and I'm going to share. I'll be closing. To yield, we're talking about yielding. Let this be. Let this be. To yield is to give something up or to give away to a demand of some sort. A person yielded to the spirit will consent to the spirit's will and submit to his authority. Scripture mentions walking in the spirit, following his lead and living in cooperation with his plan. So when we think about what it means to yield, that I live in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, we oftentimes will say this, and I've said this before, we'll say, hey, something told me. No, if, you, if it's telling you to do what's right versus what was wrong, it ain't a something. It's a person, it's the Holy Spirit. He said, ah, that ain't you. That ain't you. Because I could have said to my wife, hey, who going tell me what to do? I mean, don't be shushing me. The Holy Spirit said, no, 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 let that go. The, the, the final part of this commentary says this. Spirit, the scripture, scripture also mentions being filled with the Spirit, being fully surrendered to him and functioning in his power and freedom. Both walking in and being filled with the Spirit necessitates yielding to his control that you have the right to say and do whatever you choose, but because you know that the Holy Spirit is in you helping you to not do that, but this. The last part of this strategy, the fourth part, living in representation of Christ. Slide down to verse number 17, and I'm gonna read it from the New Living Translation so you can hear this. It says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. He says, whatever, you rep, whatever you're doing, make sure you're repping him. They would say we'd have a pep rally. Who are you representing? We were the Tech Titans, my high school, so we would yell the Titans. Hey, we are the mighty, mighty Titans. Well, all right. We would declare that because we wanted it to be known who we identified with. And we would wear our green and white was our school colors. We wear our green and white to signify who we belong to. So Paul says that as this being your primary responsibility as a Christian to represent Christ in the earth, he says, whatever you do or say, do it as one who's a representative for Christ. The other day, I'll tell this story and I'll be done. The other day, my wife had to make a phone call to take care of some business for us. She was on the phone and the person on the other line did not represent her company very at the end of that conversation, she was upset enough that she thought it's probably worth us moving on to another company if this company doesn't seem to care about its customers. The key is, is that Jesus does care 
how we represent him, there are those who say, why would I come to Jesus if his company doesn't care? That concludes our message for today. And we want to thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or attend our Wednesday night virtual Bible study, contact us at amitybc.org. Until next time, be blessed.